It's great to be with you this morning. We have encountered in, in both of our services today a real sweetness of the Lord's presence, and we don't take that for granted. We're grateful for that. We pray for that. Uh, we ask the Lord to, to meet us, and uh, we're glad that you're able to be gathered here with us today uh, on this day as we worship him together. We're going to be reading in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We're starting a new series today, actually, called Pray Like It Matters. So I guess all of this praying like it matters is probably, uh, probably a good thing for us. I wish I was 100%. But I'm not. I'm, uh, I got a little under the weather this week, and so I'm running about 70%. So you can pray for me that I get through this service. Uh, if I run, I got my, my water uh, here, and so uh, I'll try to nurse that and keep my voice from coughing and stuff like that. And Pastor Seth is here, and he already heard me preach this message once. So if I can't get through it, I'm just tagging out. He can come up and finish it. Is that good, Seth? All right, we'll keep you posted. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, hey, the other thing I, I do want to mention, uh, it was mentioned already about the special service that we're doing next week, that we're going to be doing one outdoor service on the lawn. That's so beautiful when we're all together, uh, both of our services together at one time, and so we would invite you to come and join us for that. Also, if you have never been baptized... Uh, that you're going to have an opportunity to. We would love for you to reach out to our church office and let us know. We'll get you some information, make sure you know what that's about. That is a public profession of your faith. That's about saying, hey, what God has done in my heart and my life uh, in private, that's a private transaction between him and you, uh, I want to make that public before my church family. And so uh, we want to encourage you to do that. We have a few people that are already signed up to get baptized. Uh, if that's stirring on your heart in any way today, please talk to me or one of the staff uh, and let us know so that we can get you in the loop that, for that for the next service. So that's going to be happening. All right. Um, as you're thinking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, let me tell you a phrase that I have heard many times. A phrase that I have heard many times, especially lately, is this. It is hard to find good help. Has anybody said that or heard that said? Maybe it's been said about you. I don't know. Maybe it's been said about me. But I've heard the phrase. It's not a new one. It's hard to find good help. Uh, Here's the thing that I think is going on when we are saying that. Behind that phrase or the experience that causes us to say that is this, that if you do not believe in the mission, you will not give yourself sacrificially to the work. You know what I'm saying? So a couple uh, examples from my own life. The other, the other day I said to Amy, I said, I know I sound like 100 year, I'm 100 years old when I say this, but like, uh, it, what happened to like customer service? I mean, that's like an old person thing to say, I think. Uh, but w- the reason I was saying that was that I had just recently rented a car. I went to get do this car rental, and uh, I walked up to the, to the counter, and uh, no one was there. That doesn't bother me, whatever. People are doing their stuff. And so I'm just kind of standing around and kind of waiting a little bit. And then I look sort of in the back adjoining room, and there's a girl that's sitting on a chair. She's wearing a shirt with the company name on it, so I'm assuming she works there. And she's just kind of scrolling on her phone. So I'm assuming she doesn't see that I'm here or whatever. So I go, I go, hello. You know, it's real, real pleasant like that. Like, hello. You know, some people be like, hey, can I get some service? Yeah, that's not me. I'm, I'm chill about this kind of stuff. I was like, I was like, hello. And uh, she didn't move at all, except the finger was still kind of like, kind of doing her thing. So I just waited for a second. I was like, all right. And still awkward pause. And then I was like, hello. And then she, um, she didn't look, she kept looking at her phone, but her finger stopped, and she went. And I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean, like, go away? Or does that mean, like, 
I'll be there, in a, I heard you, I'll be there in a second or whatever. So I was like, whatever, I'm having a good service, you know what I mean? And then, and then I, so that was on my mind, and then also our family had taken a trip earlier this summer, and uh, we, we stopped at a hotel, not a great hotel. Uh, for me, I don't, I don't need a great hotel. I like to have like a bed and a working shower. That's kind of like, that's good enough for me. This had one of those, okay. Uh, it didn't have a working shower. And so the shower was broken, and so I was kind of asking them about it, and they were like, ah, oh, whatever, you know. And, and I was like, what do you mean, whatever? It's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. So I, 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 I fixed the shower. I sort of took the pieces all apart, and I, I put it back together and at least got it functional. And I was like, hey, kids, look, we can have showers. This is going to be great. So while that was going on, I, I went down to the desk, and I said, hey, you know, so I, I fixed your shower in room 308 or whatever it was. Um, so do you do anything like to, you know, help with the cost or whatever if a guest has to like repair the room, for example? <laughs> and she was like, no, I don't think so. I was like, really? I mean, not even, like if you were to hire a really lousy repairman, like me, uh, it would cost you something. So, you know, I mean, can I get a free bagel out of the deal? She was like, I don't know. I'll talk to my manager, but he's busy and he probably won't call you back. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's a, okay. Uh, and he didn't, you know. So I called them later and he still doesn't call me back. So it's sort of like, so I found myself talking to Amy about this and I was like, yeah, what, whatever happened to good customer service? But I think here's what's going on. When you see that kind of stuff going on, you see people that don't believe in their mission, right? Um, if you don't believe in the mission, you will not give yourself sacrificially to the work. Jesus actually referenced this too. Here's a little pre-sermon before you get into the real message. John 10, right after Jesus says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they would have life and life to the full. Such a beautiful passage. He goes on to say about himself, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay my life down for the sheep. You talk about sacrificial. Jesus says, I'll lay my life down for the sheep. The hired hand won't do that. The hired hand sees danger coming. He runs off. Why? He doesn't care for the sheep like I do because the shepherd will lay his life down and give sacrificially for the sheep. If you don't believe in the mission, you will not give yourself sacrificially to the work. This morning, we're going to begin this new series, Pray Like It Matters, and this is one of the ways that if you believe in the mission of Christ, you have an opportunity to give yourself sacrificially to his work. And the reason that we are, we're given opportunities like praying over the community and all that kind of stuff, but we said, you know, we need to do some teaching in this area of prayer so that we as a church can pray like it matters. And we are already seeing the fruit of people who are on their knees asking God for revival, asking God for stirring, asking God for a work of the Holy Spirit. And we're saying, God, we're not, we're not done yet. We're going after it. And we want to equip you and we want to empower you to pray like it matters. Because I talk to Christians all the time who say, I don't really know how to pray. I probably should pray more. But prayer is this kind of due diligence. We don't really know how to experience it. We don't know really how to engage with it in a healthy sort of way. And so what we are hoping over this series is that you, uh, God will breathe some life into your prayer life and that you'll be able to pray like it matters. So 2 Corinthians 5, this section in verse 11 begins with Paul saying, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. It's part of this missional calling. We're going to pick up today in verse 14 where Paul writes this, for Christ's Love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and was raised again. I'm going to pause there just for a moment to say this. That phrase, if you're a, if you're a Bible underliner, that's a good one to underline in verse 15. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. One of the things that happens when you give your life to Christ and you begin to live in this relationship with him, among a whole lot of other beautiful things that happens is you are released from the burden of self-love. And when you look at your world today, what I see and what probably you see a lot of as well is people who are imploding under the weight of self-love. That we're so convinced that we will be happy as long as we're kind of in the center of our universe. And guess what? Nobody's happy. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's fighting. There's all this kind of stuff. Why? We're imploding under this weight of self-love. Right here, we see this beautiful promise that that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's a better way. Verse 16. For now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view... Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. I want someone to say amen to that this morning. I mean, that's it right there. If you are in Christ today, the old is gone. The new is here. This is the good news of the gospel, what Jesus has done in verse 15. Our response in the second part of verse 15, our new identity and our new calling. Now, I'm going to preach this message to people who I believe are in Christ today, but I understand that there's probably several people that are listening to this message that would say, I'm not really sure where I stand with Christ. I don't really know where I am in that journey, and that's okay. I want you to hear this with an invitational heart to say that this is what Christ invites us to be a part of. Now here's the main scripture we're going to look at today, verses 18 through 21. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to say reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I would like you to say ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the great exchange, right? That at the cross... The sin of the world placed on the shoulders of Christ, on the life of Christ, so that when God looked at him, he saw all the sin that you ever committed or that I ever committed or the whole world ever committed. And yet now when he looks at you in Christ, he sees the perfect righteousness of God. That's exactly, exactly what Paul is saying here. It's the great exchange. Incidentally, I asked you to say the words reconciliation and ambassadors because I think they're important to this message. I personally hate it when speakers say, hey, say this word and make you do it. You did it very nicely today. I appreciate your willingness to do that, even though it's not my personal preference. I want to talk today about a high calling, about a rich identity, and then a critical connection. The first part is a high calling. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If I were to define ministry for you, 
And when I talk about ministers, I'm talking about the priesthood of believers. So if you are in Christ today, it doesn't matter if you're a vocational minister, a pastor, a missionary, or a librarian, or a lawyer, or a student, or whatever. We're talking about the priesthood of believers. But if you think about this idea of ministry, I think a good, broad definition looks kind of like this. That we are bringing Jesus to the world, and that we are bringing the world to Jesus in this ministry of reconciliation. Ministry may be as diverse as you are, so that whether you are leading a Bible study, as many of you do, or serving on a worship team, as many of you do, or ministering to your neighborhood, as many, many of you do, or serving in the nursery, as many of you do, although we always need more people to work in the nursery, so if anybody has a heart for that, sign up today. Whether you are praying for revival or preaching a sermon, whether you are using your gifts to write or to teach or to serve in any other form, what are you doing? You are bringing Jesus to the world and you are bringing the world to Jesus in the ministry of reconciliation. That is the overarching goal or the overarching picture for those who are in Christ. So you have a high calling. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want to rush by that. You have a high calling if you are in Christ today. But I want to connect that to this idea of prayer since the series is on prayer. There's an interesting passage in Jeremiah 29. This was written when God's people are in exile and so there's this letter of sort of instructions of while you're in exile in the city that is not your home, how, sh how then should you live? And in Jeremiah 29 verse 7, among several other very interesting things that are recorded there, it says this, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now that's a really interesting thing, especially as I'm looking at this crowd. I'm sure that there are some that are here that are saying, this is not my home. How many of you are from another city? We've got a lot of students that are here. You live in another city, right? But this is not my home. Okay, And yet God has placed you here for this time. What I want to encourage you to think about is this. Pray for the good of the city in which you live. When you are at home, pray for the good of the city in which you live. Pray for the good of the city. Pray that God would do work there. While you're here in State College, I want to put you under orders today. Pray for the good of the city. Pray that God would do some good things here. And I want you to keep in mind, in this Old Testament command, this came to God's people while they were in exile. This was not their home. And yet, here's the thing, we can take the ministry of reconciliation into your prayer life even as you pray for a city that is not your home, as you begin to ask that the Lord of the harvest would do incredible work as we ask for revival. I want to take you back for just a moment to 1806. How many of you have heard of the Haystack Revival? Any of you heard of that? The thing that's interesting, I'm not going to talk deeply about revival today, but this is what you'll find. I'd encourage you, you can do some of your own sleuthing and searching and find all kinds of good stuff. Uh, revival is always preceded by prayer. Always. Like, I can't find one where it's like revival broke out and it just happened. There's always this stirring that seems to happen in the heart of God's people where all of a sudden, young men and women, old men and women, they start, they, they, they start to get a hunger for prayer so that all of a sudden we see the, the people of God beginning to pray. Why? God is, is, is working in that way that will ultimately end up in a revival. And so one of the things that happened in the Haystacks revival, this was about five college students 
1806. They're from Williams College uh, in Williamstown, Massachusetts. And they're having a discussion. They're literally sitting out in a field. They're having a discussion about theology and missionary service and stuff. Their meeting gets interrupted by a thunderstorm, and the students took shelter under this haystack until the sky cleared. And this is what was described of that gathering later on. They said the brevity of the shower, the strangeness of that place of refuge, and the peculiarity of the topic of prayer all took hold in their imaginations and in their, in their memories. What ended up coming from that impromptu little gathering of people who just started praying together ended up becoming described as one of the greatest missionary moments uh, in the evangelical world. In 1806 of August, it is viewed by many scholars as the seminal event in the development of American Protestant missions in the subsequent decades and centuries. Missions are still supported today by the churches that were involved with this. Entire networks of people grew up and churches grew up out of this goofy little prayer meeting. Uh, thousands of missionaries end up getting sent around the world. And of course, God's work is being done. Schools are started. Hospitals are started. Souls are won for the kingdom of God. It all started with five college students. To me, that, found, that sounds very interesting because we got college students here in the room. Many of you will meet together. Many of you will gather together. You'll have Bible studies together. You'll dream together about what God could do. Um, I always love talking to young adults and to have an opportunity to simply say, once again, don't underestimate what God desires to do in these formative years. It's busy. It's crazy. It's, you, you got all these responsibilities. You think you have more responsibilities than you actually do. But anyway, that's another conversation. Like... Don't underestimate what God is going to do in these formative years because you have a high calling. And when you learn to take that high calling seriously and to begin to link that with a high calling of prayer, you're going to see incredible things. Here's another quick thing I'll just say, and then we'll move on to our next point. This is one of those messages that is gloriously easy to apply your life to. Sometimes you listen to messages probably from me and you go, what the heck do you want me to do with that? I have no idea what to do. This one is simple. You know, we're saying we, we want to encourage you in the area of prayer, not just to learn about it, but to do it. So when we say things like sign up for the prayer walk in September or whatever, just sign up and do it. We'll give you some instructions. You'll step out in faith. You'll probably do some stuff wrong. You'll probably get some stuff right, but you're going to grow and you're going to learn as you go. We have another opportunity. Many of the local churches are working together this coming weekend for 36 hours of prayer, which is going to be happening at the State Theater. It's actually in your bulletin, so I won't uh, bore you with all the details, but 9 a.m. on Saturday morning this week till 9 p.m. Saturday night and all through the night. So literally, if you want to take a half hour, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever, you can go and you can join with other brothers and sisters here at the State Theater on College Avenue uh, for some prayer. All right, that brings me to the end of point one and my first drink. Seth, so far so good. You ready though, just in case? He's ready to go. So you got a high calling. You also have a rich identity. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Further, our calling is established in Christ and, and Paul uses this interesting word, ambassadors. I don't want to rush past this, church, because I think if we get this, we get something very, very special. If we miss this, we miss something very, very important. 
You are called, we said in the Galatians series that we just finished, you're not a slave, you're not a servant, you're a child of God, you're an heir, you're in the family of God, all of those things. Here's the thing, every time God reveals something of his character, you learn to grow in your understanding of God. But that's not all he does. He uses scripture to reveal his view of you. That if you're in Christ today, yes, you're a a family member of God, you're a child of God, you're an heir of the kingdom, all of those things are true, but now there's this other curious word. You are his ambassador. Well, what does that mean? It's defined as an accredited diplomat sent from, uh, by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. You are Christ's ambassador. Two things that I want to just note on this. Number one is there's the very unlikeliness that this would come to the Corinthian church. Because if you read the beginning of Corinthians, Paul says, you're sanctified in Christ, you're loved and, and, and cherished by him and everything. And then he goes on to basically say, you guys are a disaster. You're a mess. There's like divisions among you. There's sexual immorality. There's all of these problems. And so you would think like if Paul was going to call out a church to say, you are ambassadors for Christ, it would certainly be like the Thessalonians. He loved those guys. He, they, they got a lot of stuff right. Maybe it would even be the Galatians because they're starting to get some more things right. But he says to the Corinthians, to the, to the mess, to the unlikely ambassadors at Corinth, you're Christ's ambassadors. This actually gives me great hope. Because how many of you are not done growing yet? How many of you would look at yourself and say, man, I can be a real mess sometimes. Are there any real messes in the house? You can be, you're, you're among friends. We, we like to be transparent here. And yet you're called to be Christ's ambassador. So you, you might have to do some business with that. He says, I want you to, I, I want to actually give you something that you can live for that matters. When you get the mission of Christ, You'll give sacrificially to it in prayer and in ambassadorship and service and everything else. Okay. The second thing that I find this interesting is this. There is a critical question that an ambassador must ask, and that question is this. What do you want when you is the person who has sent them? When we come to Christ having received the gospel of his grace and being given a new nature in him, being judged not by our own achievements or failures, but by his perfect record, now being called his ambassadors, it seems that the best question that we could ask is this, what is important to him in this framework that we call church or ministry? And here's the thing, I am shocked by how infrequently I hear this question being asked even among church leaders. I'm shocked at how infrequently I have asked it. I wonder if as ambassadors for Christ, a good prayer for us would be, Jesus, what is important to you? What do you see here? Where are you at work here? As many of you are getting ready to hit Monday morning and Tuesday, all kinds of new things that are starting, a new work week, a new semester of school, all of these kind of things, to be able to ask those kind of questions, those are the sort of questions that an ambassador should ask, and I would encourage you to do that. If we don't, if we don't know that, how do we serve in this high calling? How do we embrace our rich identity? We default to being consumers. We default to being tourists that kind of meander about. But Paul didn't say you're a consumer. He didn't say you're a tourist. He said you are an ambassador. 
The thing with tourists and consumers, we love tourists and consumers, but they lack authority. Now, I want you to think about this. One last little thing on this point. If you are under Christ's agenda, what matters to you? Where are you working? What, what do you want, right? If you are under Christ's agenda, you will also be in Christ's authority. And I think there is a reason why many of us have had the experience of church without authority. We have not experienced the presence and the power of God. We haven't seen the church be anything except sort of irrelevant in our communities. Why? Because oftentimes we stop, we forget to ask the question, Jesus, what do you want? Where are you working? What's on your heart? But listen, how powerful this is. What happens if 10% of you start getting that? 20%, 25%. People start thinking in that kind of way, start praying in that direction. We, we're good at making our agenda. I know this. You're smart people. You've got, you got a plan. You, you've, got, you, you've managed lots of things. I get it. What happens if we slow down and we say, Jesus, what do you want? When we walk in Christ's agenda, we understand Christ's authority. Just a real quick example on this. Uh, in our house, when it's dinner time, it's first of all, it's dinner time when mom says it's dinner time. That's how it works. I'm not saying every house has to work that way. I'm just saying that's how it works in our house. So if one of our kids were to go to the other kid and say, hey, it's time for dinner, and that second kid is not hungry, uh, it's not going to move him very much. If they go and say, mom says it's time for dinner, well, it's time to go. You know what I'm saying? If dad says it's time for dinner, yeah, it means almost nothing, whatever. Um, but there, there's a simple, there's an authority that comes when you say, I'm not speaking on my own. And when you walk through your work and your school and the places where God has you, this rich identity of being an ambassador in Christ means you walk in Christ's authority. And if you learn to walk like Christ, which means humble service, you're not wielding that over people, God's going to use you in powerful ways. That's a rich identity. Here's the third point that we're going to go to. Seth, we doing okay? All right. So far, so good. The last one has splashed water all over my face. Quick, get the mop. Okay. Critical connection. Here's our last point. If all of this is true, then the connection to the one who changes us and who reconciles us and sends us is not optional. If prayer precedes revival and we need a reviving work of God in our world, then prayer is not optional. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? Amen. Can somebody say amen louder to that this morning? Amen. Okay. Prayer is not an optional thing. If, we, if as we learn to pray, we establish our vital connection to the source of life in Christ, thus there is no mission without prayer. There is no mission without prayer. We can be busy. We can work hard. We can do a lot of stuff. We can be active. But the actual mission of Christ, the actual life change that comes in the mission of Christ doesn't happen apart from prayer. So that's the critical connection. Today what I would like to do as we wrap up this message is uh, we want to take just a few moments in a commissioning prayer. And I'm really excited about this. This is, this is literally the thing that probably got me out of bed more than anything this morning when I've been under the weather and not feeling so super good. Uh, I want to introduce you to some ambassadors for Christ. What I didn't realize that God was developing, even right here in our church community, 
uh, in this congregation is that we have a lot of vocational ministers for the gospel, a lot of people who are serving in just some incredible ways. When I hear the little bits and pieces, I, I know I'm only getting the tip of the iceberg, but there's an incredible uh, work that God is doing through people right here in our own congregation. So what I'd actually like to do is introduce them to you, and then uh, we have uh, some tables that are set up in the lobby. I want to encourage you uh, to encourage them as they are serving the Lord in some special ways. So first of all, let me do this. If, if you're here today and you're serving in parachurch ministry, vocational ministry, and you've got a name on one of those tables in the back, first of all, just would, would you just stand up so we can acknowledge you? We know there's several. Yeah, this is awesome. These are kingdom people that are doing some incredible kingdom work. We want to say thank you for that. Yeah, stay, stay standing, by the way. I know it's a little uncomfortable. They're not doing this for the applause of people. We get that. Stay standing for, for just a moment. There are tables in the lobby, and I want to encourage you to go and to meet them after the service, even if you meet one individual or couple, just to say, hey, how can I pray for you? Can I get on your prayer list? How can I support you? Do you have a special need that I can help with? We would encourage you to do that because we are the body of Christ. We love kingdom work, and we support it as the very best we can. Find out how you can give, find out how you can support, find out how you can pray. Now, with you guys still standing, I want to extend this, and then we're going to commission all of you here in a moment. Um, I would like to have our college and university students stand up. We, I know we got a lot of you that are here. If you're college university students, yeah. This is exciting times. This is good. If, you can, if you're comfortable, just stay standing for a moment. If you are also involved with faculty or administration, uh, teaching with the university, I want you to stand up as well. We've got a lot of you here. We're going to go professors versus students after church. Let's do this. Yeah, we're grateful for you. Uh, just one more group. So we've got uh, college students, faculty, uh, administration. We've got you standing. We would uh, just let, let me mention this to you for a second. This is a brand new season for you. For all of you, it's a brand new season. It's a blank canvas, hasn't been written on yet. What's God gonna do? What's God wanna do? Get, get your heart starting to think a little bit. I'm an, I'm, if, I, if I'm in Christ today, I'm an ambassador for Christ. What does that mean in this season? What would that look like if I took that seriously, okay? Uh, let's have one last group, and that is our local school students, faculty, administration, and staff, if you guys would stand up as well. So local school students, you guys stand up. You teach, your administration, or whatever. It's a big, we got a nice, a nice sized group of people that are coming into a new season here. Okay. While you're standing, we're just gonna pray a prayer of commissioning over you in this season. And, and, and receive it with the faith that you are able to, right? So I, I get it. There's some of you that are standing here, you're like, I, I did not ask to be <laughs> commissioned. To, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Just receive it with the faith that you were able to. You know, there are others that are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm asking God to do some, some big things. Receive it with the faith that, uh, that you were able to. While we pray for you, we're just going to do it really briefly. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and uh, they're going to get ready to lead us out of here in just a moment. Um, if you are close to someone who's standing or in the middle of a mob of someone who's standing, you know, lay a hand close to them or point in their direction as we, as we pray. So Jesus, we're asking you that you would minister in this new season. And I love that it seems that you love new seasons, that you call us into a new time. You call us into a new season, a new adventure with you. We're grateful for that. 
And I don't presume to know exactly where everybody is coming from in this new season. I'm sure there's some that come with fear and trepidation. There's some that come with excitement and joy and probably everywhere in between. Uh, Friends, if you're standing here today, we want to commission you as part of the priesthood of believers if you're in Christ today. If you're not in Christ today, we invite you in to say yes to Jesus when the time is right. But may you walk in the agenda and the authority of Christ as his ambassador in the days and the weeks ahead. We commission you to that. We're rooting for you in that. We're praying for you in that. We're trusting God for you in that. And we pray that in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.